Mastermind.fm is proudly sponsored by Liquid Web. While Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been waiting for. Now with Visual Compare, at first in the managed WordPress space, automatically updates your plugins. Each night we take a snapshot and visually compare the difference between each plugin. If there's no visual difference, we update the plugin for you. If there is a visual difference, we hold off updating that plugin and wait for your direction. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code MASTERMIND33, you'll get 33% off for the next six months. Visit liquidweb.com forward slash managed WordPress to get started. Welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm with your hosts, Jean Galea of WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator, and myself, James Laws of Adventures in Businessing and Ninja Forms. In each episode, we strive to cover the topics that you, the WordPress business owner and entrepreneur, need to take your business to the next level, and the tools that you need to grow as an individual. Grab your favorite beverage and a pen and paper, sit back, and let's dive in. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. I'm really excited about today's episode, and not only because of the person that we have, but because of what we're going to be talking about. Going through the WordPress community, thanks to, in large part, to Corey Miller, who couldn't be with us today to talk about this, mental health and the, I would say the, I'll just leave it at mental health, of the entrepreneur has been really been brought to light, dealing with not just the decisions that we make, but the life that is happening underneath these decisions. Corey, talks a lot about the iceberg and this idea that a lot of what people see in our lives and a lot of what we're willing to show when we go to conferences and we share what's above the water, the success of our businesses, and we try to, we put on a pretty good mask of everything that's going great. But most of what's happening is actually happening underneath the surface. Life is happening. Corey talks very candidly about the divorce that he was going through when his business was really just taking off. You hear that story over and over and over again. All of these struggles and trials. And so today we're going to be talking with Dr. Sherry Walling, who I'm really excited to have on the show. I met her first in Cabo just a little under a year ago. I'm actually excited for Cabo Press is coming up. So if you are going to be there. I would love to see you. Sherry, are you going to be at Cabo this year? I am. Awesome. I'm super excited to get to come yeah. back. It's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully if you're going to be there, we'll get the chance to talk to you there as well. But today we're going to be talking to Sherry about a new thing coming up called Zen Tribes. Talk a little bit about the work that she's doing. She is also a co-host of a podcast called Zen Founder. She is a clinical psychologist, a master's degree in theology, which I found cool. I pastored for eight years. And so that's another connection that we have. So that's a lot of fun. So without further ado, let me introduce to some of you in the WordPress community, you may not know her as well, because she really has come to, in a lot of ways, because of Cabo, we talked about this a little bit, uh, and the connections that she's made in Cabo, has become more of a fixture in the WordPress space, which is super exciting because we need uh, more of this topic being talked about. We need more development so entrepreneurs can develop as people, not just develop their businesses, which I'm super passionate about in my own life. So I'm really excited about this. Sherry, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. I can't wait to talk to you. We have a lot to chat about. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. And we keep it generally, or at least Jean does these like really nice formal interviews. He's really good about that. I'm terrible at formal interviews. I really just like to chat with friends and see what comes out of that. So we'll see how it goes. But Sherry, for those who don't know you, I mean, I, I kind of touched on maybe a few little highlights. Tell everyone a little bit about you and your initial entrepreneurial journey that you're on now. Yeah. So I've been hanging around the tech world and the startup world for, believe it or not, about 17 years. Wow. Largely through my marriage to Rob Walling, who is the founder of Drip and runs a microconf and, you know, has been a serial entrepreneur for the last 17 years. So I have kind of a soft spot for geeks and always have. <laughs> <laughs> but in my own in my own vocation, um, like you mentioned, I'm a clinical psychologist and have done a lot of work with high achieving professionals. So I work a lot with like officers in the military, physicians, police officers, first responders, generally people who have extremely intense jobs and are sometimes exposed to trauma in the context of their jobs. So for the first 10 years of my career, that's what I did. And I ran a clinic and, you know, also worked as a professor for three or four years, was full time on a, on a university. And I've on the side started this podcast with Rob where we talk about work, family, life, kind of how to how to live well as an entrepreneur, not just sort of get stuff done, but actually kind of have a full and satisfying life. And then also kind of on the side, been doing some speaking at MicroConf and double your freelancing and dabbling a little bit in entrepreneurial mental health. That changed about a year ago when Rob sold Drip to a company called Lead Pages, and we moved from California to Minneapolis. And I said goodbye to my clinic and packed up my practice, and I thought, I need a new job or something to do. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of life change, it's right? It's a lot of like, life change, you know. yeah. Wow. And I think really found this kind of synchronicity of the things that I've already been thinking about and talking about both professionally and dabbling in on the side, you know, doing some of the speaking and, and working with mostly entrepreneurs in the tech space. And suddenly my availability to do something different and new and have time. So I'm really in the midst of my own startup, I guess, launching lots of different things and and growing what has been a hobby into something that that will be my full-time vocation. That's really exciting. I think it's awesome because, first of all, especially in the WordPress space, there is no better time than for than someone like you to step into that role. Corey, and you can thank Corey in a little bit of kind of paving way, right? Because he's been talking about mental health a lot, but he's made it very clear, right? I'm not a psychologist. I, you know, I have my own therapist that I see on a regular basis who I go to when I want to work through and process information. He has groups that he's a part of that have been pivotal in his own mental health. Uh, so you're coming in at this great space where I think ooh, our community is hungry to understand more than just about how to grow our businesses, but how to grow ourselves as individuals. And, and with just good emotional maturity and mental maturity and just kind of grow through that process. And I don't want to compare entrepreneurship with previous clients you've had, because you talked about dealing with like firefighters and police officers and military, but sometimes entrepreneurship feels a little bit like you're in the throes of those types of high, intense emotional situations. Oh yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. I think that's accurate. 
there's so much at stake in so many of our decisions and our actions. And I think especially when you are aware of carrying your own livelihood as well as the responsibility of for some of us supporting a family, you know, something that goes wrong does have really big it has big threat power. Like it feels yeah. like a really big deal because the reality is you are risking a lot and no one else is responsible the way that you are responsible when you're an entrepreneur. So yeah, you might not like be running out of a fire, but there's some sort of emotional fire. There's a lot of psychological fire, I think, in the in the entrepreneurial world. You're absolutely right. You know, even when I think about, and we talked a little bit about this uh, pre-show, I was thinking about my transition in my life to full-time business when, you know, I quit my job. I was I had a baby on the way. I had just bought a house and I was getting ready to start this business. And I think the gravity of the situation was weighing on me physically, but I don't know that mentally and physically I was connected, like that I was making that connection. And so mentally I thought I was in control and I'm making all these powerful decisions to move my life and my family forward. And yet physically, my body kind of went into shock. You know, I went into an AFib state. Uh, they couldn't get it out of me. I was in the ICU for five days uh, while they were trying to get my heart back into a sinus rhythm. So it was like a crazy time for me. And then I felt it almost again with our first hire because we're hiring somebody and it's not just my family or my business partner's family. Now I have an employee who moved from another state to move down here and bring his family and he has a little girl and I'm like, oh, that is, you're right. There's a lot of stress and we don't think about how stressful it is sometimes. Sometimes maybe like me, we separate that, but deep down underlying it's impacting us. And I think you're talking about something that's really important to me and really core to the work that I do in particular and I don't want to make broad generalizations, but I think your story is not unusual in men mm -hmm. who maybe have less practice or just less sort of social permission to really articulate emotional experiences. Mm -hmm. And often that emotional experience gets transferred to a physical experience. And the more that we learn about the brain and I think the more that we learn about what we now think of as mental illness, it's just not separate. Yeah. You know, we are so integrated the way that our bodies and minds relate to each other. So one of the things that has been really important for me just in my own sanity, my own life has been, you know, to practice yoga and I've become a yoga teacher. And so I really try to think about the whole person when I'm talking with anyone really, but especially for entrepreneurs, because we often are so used to being the, the person in charge, the founder of the company. And it's not, you know, there's a lot under that iceberg as Corey talks about. There's a lot that we feel like we can't articulate and that often gets transferred to our bodies. Yeah. So it's important to talk about both body and mind together. I like what you said, too, about taking care of the whole person, because it's true, right? When I go to the gym, when I take the time to work out, I do feel better. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of another part of me that perhaps I neglect at times. I've even tried yoga, although honestly, I think I need like pre-yoga. I need like beginner, beginner yoga because I just am not flexible and strong enough now to do real <laughs> yoga. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it in Cabo. We'll right. do the pre-yoga right. yoga. Okay. I'm, I'm a little nervous about this. I've already kind of told myself I have to lose 40 pounds before Cabo, and I don't even think that's – I don't know if I'm going to make that, make eh, that cool. It doesn't matter. Just show up. 
<laughs> it'll be fun either way. Um, no, I think that's really exciting. So part of this process, part of the reason I asked you to be on, and we'll talk about this a little bit, is you and Corey have started in on a, a partnership to do something that really I know Corey has been talking about for a few years. The last few years that I've known Corey, and every time we talk, he tells me about a group that he's in called EO, and he talks very passionately about the impact that it's had on his life and how he doesn't see that in the WordPress space in our circle and sphere of influence and that he would love to see something like that. And it seems like this is the start of hopefully bringing something similar to that. Can you tell me for the listeners, and I'll just say for those who don't know, I think you've already filled the first group. Is that correct? We filled the first group and have like sort of another group's worth of folks ready on the waiting list. So getting ready to go. As soon as people are wanting to join, we'll Find a group, you know, we'll put it together. It's super exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. Full disclosure, I'm in the first group, so I'm really excited to kind of experience it. I feel it's something that I desperately need, and I don't even know why I need it, if that makes sense. I heard Corey talking to you when you were talking about it on Zen Founder, and he talks about in the early stages of the unknown unknowns. Like, I don't know what I don't know, and I feel in many areas of my life in that space I'm hopefully at least just humble enough to admit the fact that I don't know a lot of things. And so I'm really excited about it. But this is the, the culmination of that. Can you talk a little bit about how the group, how you kind of got the idea to get started with this and what this group is going to be about? I love the way you talk about it, James, because I think that idea of the the unknown unknown is really core here. I think what we do know, and, and Corey and I really have been on such a parallel process with this that I am so excited to work with him. It, we we kind of have like this giddy, like professional crush. Like every time we talk, we're like, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this and talk about that. And we, you know, read some of the same books and just are really enjoying sort of scheming this up together. But one of the things that we do know that Corey knows experientially, that I know both experientially and then as a professional is that People need other people. Like we need community. We need to be able to talk about the real things that are going on in our lives. We are just inherently social animals. You can look at sort of the beginning of infant development and we do not thrive as humans when we're disconnected from others. Yeah. So we hit a lot of disconnection and isolation in the entrepreneurial world. I mean, it just yeah. is a job for many of us where, you know, working on distributed teams, our people are all over the place. We could go days or weeks without really talking to another human, especially another human who is really willing and eager to listen and, and has energy to hear what's going on in our lives. So we sort of categorically want to eliminate isolation in the entrepreneurial community. That's kind of our mission. And Zen Tribes is a way to, it's sort of the pre-mastermind mastermind, I guess. Like yeah. it's it's not a mastermind group in the sense that it's much more structured. It's an eight-week weekly commitment. It's a little bit like mastermind boot camp, I guess. And it's co-hosted, the first one will be co-hosted by Corey and myself. And we have a loose curriculum. Like we want to talk about burnout. We want to talk about anxiety. We want to, we'll talk a little bit about depression. We'll talk about specific strategies that kind of help counterbalance some of the mental health challenges that are commonly experienced among entrepreneurs. So it's a little bit of a buffet of mental health conversation among trusted friends. Yeah. And so our goal is that we bring some content and some training and some expertise that people can chew on together. 
And then after the completion of the group, maybe the group will decide to keep meeting without Corey and I, or maybe they'll go off and form their own masterminds, or maybe they'll be done for a while and then re-up with us on a different topic later. But we really want to give people the skills to be in a group well and to practice self-reflection and to just get some really intentional support both among a community of peers and then from sort of co-leaders who are responsible for holding the group well and making the group run smoothly and bringing some, you know, expertise and, and material. Yeah, I think it's great. And you talked a little bit about that kind of giddy excitement between you and Corey. And, and, and when I see you guys talking about it, I can I sense that, too. Like I can feel that energy and excitement, which makes me even more excited about what what is to come and what's in store. And I think that's an important thing, too, this idea of isolation, because some of you know that this tech space is so remote, it's so distributed. Sometimes your team is all over the country and not with you. And even if your team is with you, a lot of times they're employees who don't necessarily carry the burden that you carry of where the business is going. And, you know, I'm in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is not a big town and there's not a lot of entrepreneurial energy here. And so I was always envious of Corey talking about being in Oklahoma City and and all of these people that he meets with in this great group. And so for those listening, this is an exciting opportunity. If you're in a a situation where you're like, I feel like I'm so removed. The only time I get to see anybody is when I go to a word camp or a conference and otherwise I am completely isolated. This is an opportunity to perhaps take that first step and break out of that isolation and give yourself freedom to connect with other people in a more intimate way than just meeting in the hallway at a word camp and talking about your latest success of your business. I like how Corey sometimes talks about the, you know, the top 5% and the bottom 5% of life, like the, mm-hmm. the bad stuff and then the really, really good stuff. That's stuff that you want to be able to share and other entrepreneurs can understand and either empathize with or celebrate with in really profound ways. And so I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be, I, mean, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and perhaps really hard because like I said, from my perspective, I sometimes feel, I wrote it down in my, I wrote down in my journal, actually. I wrote, A lot of times I'll hear people tell stories of a great emotional depth, and I think, I don't know that I ever feel that way. (laughs) Like, I just Hmm. don't know that I ever feel that way. But I don't think it's because I don't feel that way. I think it's probably I wear it differently. It Mm -hmm. it reveals itself differently. Can you speak to a little bit of that, maybe? Somebody who's saying, you know, listening to this and saying, I don't know that I need this kind of a group I don't suffer from depression. I don't suffer from, I don't, I've never found myself in that situation. I, I, although I would say if you think anxiety doesn't impact you, wait, it's coming. But, um, (laughs) if you you know, to those people who say, like me, right, who just feel like so, I feel sometimes foreign in that conversation, but I don't think that I am. Yeah. I know it's such a challenging, it's such a challenging idea. Yeah. And I don't think, we have to suffer from depression or, you know, I think we all Certainly, suffer right. from entrepreneurship. <laughs> like that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the that common. Right? <laughs> well, it, and it's not a therapy group. Like it's not mm-hmm. mental health treatment for somebody who's really struggling. It's right. finding those common ground places of struggle that we all share. Yeah. I also, again, like the way that you talk about it and the sort of like, we don't know what we don't know mm. kind of experience. So part of the group is to talk about the hard stuff, but I think, Part of the group is also to talk about, like, how can we make our lives better? So one of the things that I love to talk about, and the first time I brought this up with Corey, he was like, what? <laughs> but but is play mm-hmm. and how 
those of us who have big jobs that have lots of responsibilities and we can get so kind of serious that we forget how to play well. And I don't mean like a night of drinking with our buddies, although right. you know, there's a place for that. But like, how do we let ourselves have little spaces in our lives where the whole point is to experience joy? And I don't know a lot of founders who do that or who who even like are comfortable with that conversation. <laughs> it sounds so childish and frivolous. So I guess when you think about the groups, like there might be some surprises, just some parts of mental health and well-being that you haven't thought of before. Another example that I'm thinking of is I did a podcast all about the mental health and sort of like overall well-being importance of touch. And again, it's not really a business conversation. It's right. not something that comes up in our entrepreneurial circles. But so many people emailed me and were like, I can't believe how important that is. You really <laughs> articulated something for me that I've been missing in my life or I'm not quite getting enough hugs or contact with other people. And I just hadn't thought about it. So just talking about this, I think you're right. This idea, if people will take the chance to do this, to take this step, which it may be a very uncomfortable step for you, but I want to encourage you to take it just for one of the things you said, you might just be surprised what you find out about yourself that you didn't even know by hearing the stories of others and participating in that conversation. That idea of touch is an interesting one to me because while I haven't heard that particular episode, I was thinking about this the other day where my son is not super clingy. He doesn't necessarily, like he'll hug me, but then he's right off to do something else. He's three. So he's, he's always on the move to do something new. But there was this one particular time right before I was about to leave the house to go to the office. And he, all of a sudden he just wanted a hug and he just sat in my lap and he just laid his head on my shoulder and he just sat there and I didn't want to leave that moment like I was like I don't nobody's who cares who's waiting for me who cares what's what's on the other side of that door I just want to sit here and feel that touch that hold and just be lost in that moment for a period of time and I don't know that I realized how profound touch was to me until that very moment and I was like I've been missing this this is something that I need more. This is obviously a conversation I have to have with my wife. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, we all do. We all do. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, I'd like, I need more hugs. <laughs> we do. We need more hugs. Like you get so busy in life and, you know, my wife and I next year will be 20 years we've been married. And, and I think you get so busy, you forget to take those extra steps to say, I'm not just going to say goodbye in the morning, but I'm going to hug you. I'm going to kiss you goodbye. I'm going to ha show some physical affection that says, you know, we're, the, we're a team in this. We're still together. We're still emotionally and connected and attached to this. And by not doing it, we detach ourselves. We do become two people living separate lives in the same house. And that's a struggle. And touch in particular has a lot of neurological power. Like our brains kind of get awash in these really lovely like hormones and chemicals that help us feel the sense of well-being. And touch in itself drives more connection. Wow. So again, like three hugs a day is like a really powerful intervention for <laughs> your relationship with your partner or with, you know, one of your kids or something. Yeah, I mean, that's it's one of those things like you don't think about how profound these little things are. They seem so insignificant, but they are a huge impact. And I just want to encourage listeners to dig deeper and to explore things that you might not be willing to explore. A group like this makes me nervous. I'll be completely honest. Again, because I don't know what I don't know. And I feel sometimes on the outside, even, even in, among other entrepreneurs who talk very openly about this, and I'm like, I, I still feel 
disconnected from this experience. But I know, I know it's probably in many cases like that hug, like that touch, like that moment. It's because I didn't maybe have not experienced exactly what I'm missing and didn't know what I needed this whole time. And a group like this might just be that where you think you don't need anyone. You think you're okay as an island unto yourself. But if you allow yourself to be transparent and vulnerable and open up and let other people be that to you as well, you might just find out you were missing something so crucial that will take you so much further than you thought you could go. So I want to encourage everyone, we'll put it in the show notes, uh, head on over to, I think it's zenfounder.com slash zentribes yep. to, to check it out. You can apply there, get on their waiting list. You want to get on this waiting list. It's going to be a lot of fun. First of all, just because Sherry and Corey are, are tremendous people and you're going to learn a lot just by hearing their insight. But the other people in that group are also going to give you profound wisdom and experiences that you might not have. So go and check it out. But you're, you're also working on other projects. You've got all this going on. So you're starting this thing. You're doing your podcast. You're obviously exploring your own entrepreneurial journey. And you're also writing a book. Tell me a little yeah. bit about this. Yeah. So the book, twice a year for the last five years or six years, I've gone on a solo retreat. And it's like a time to kind of dream and scheme about mm -hmm what I want to spend my time on. And I think a book has been on the list for the last like five years. Oh, sure. I'm, Why not? I'm embarrassed to admit. But um, yeah, there've always been reasons why there wasn't quite space to give birth to yet another thing at that given time. But the book is, you know, like really, really taking shape. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. I think with this transition, right? Um, yes. You are better, more poised now perhaps, than you have ever been in your life to actually dedicate the time to, to see this through to completion. Absolutely. You take sort of a, a well-established professional person and just like pull them up by the roots and drop them somewhere else. <laughs> and, and it's okay. Like I'm really good with what that has brought about in my life and in the life of my family. But it does mean it's created all of this space to do some new things. So the book is basically kind of the Zen founder guide to entrepreneurial psychology. <laughs> so it's okay. it's a lot about mindset. It's a lot about how we battle with different thoughts in our heads that affect our business, that affect our functioning. There's some chapters on burnout and depression. And then there's probably half the book is about sort of strategies to live well in the midst of the challenges of entrepreneurship. So I'm co-writing with a woman named Erin, who's awesome and totally like busting my chops and making me like get a chapter done each week. So like nice. last night I was up until 1130 because I didn't get my writing done. And I was like, <laughs> I have a deadline. <laughs> and then um, Rob is also involved. So he's really infusing a lot of kind of his stories and experience into the book. So I'm really proud of it, actually. I don't know if anybody will buy it, but it feels like once it's done, it will just be that culmination of something I set out to do and putting down a lot of the things that over the last 17 years I've observed or Rob and I have talked about and the many, many like interactions with founders and entrepreneurs that I've had at conferences or in consulting and things like that. So I'm optimistic and scared, <laughs> but... I think and completing anything that is so deeply rooted into your life, your core experiences, and your passion is always going to be fulfilling regardless of the outcome of it when it's said and done. But I can guarantee you at least one person will buy it, and that would be me. Thanks, James. I, will, I, <laughs> I am looking forward to it because <laughs> it's exciting one. to me. Uh, you know, the, the truth is, like, I love that topic because I'm constantly battling with how do I become a better version of myself tomorrow than I am today? Like you talked about the whole person 
person, and that's physically. How do I take care of my health so that I'm around for a really long time for my family? And how do I take care of myself mentally so that I am mentally prepared to take care of my family and, and to lead my business? How am I taking the knowledge and the experiences that I have and turning that into genuine wisdom and not just more data that I am throwing at something? Like, how do I actually learn from the experiences that I'm going through? So this whole idea of it, and there's so and and that's the stuff that I can kind of wrap my head around. But then there's this all this whole other layer of stuff. I, you know, like like you talked about, most entrepreneurs don't know how to play. I am the epitome, I guess, of a stereotypical entrepreneur who's a workaholic. But to me, work is my play. And so I'm still mm-hmm. I, and I make that excuse a lot of times. Like when I go home and everyone's in bed and I could do something that is totally mind numbing play entertainment. I want to open my computer and go back to work because I enjoy it. But I know there's probably a part of that that says, wow, that's fine that you enjoy it and love it. You have to unplug from it, and I'm not good at that. And so I think there's a lot I can learn from from the stuff that you're going to be writing, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. One of the other things that Corey and I are, are working together on is we are going to host a retreat for couples at the end of September. So well, that's it's, interesting. You know, again, we're so aware and I'm so aware as as a psychologist of the sort of unique strains that go along with entrepreneurship and the way that those can impact your family and your relationship with your spouse or your partner. So that's something that we've been, again, I think Corey and I just sort of synchronistically thinking about and talking about separately and now are are coming together to try to make that happen. So it'll it'll be a small group limited to 15 couples and yeah. something that's fun and relaxing but also has some some meat to chew on in terms of thinking about how to maximize the well-being of your relationship. That's exciting. That's that's going to be interesting. I'm curious to hear about how that grows as it starts to take a little more shape. Um, yeah. that's very interesting. So with Zen Tribes, Zen Founder, uh, the book, the couples retreat, the traveling that you're already doing, all the stuff that is going on in your life. How do you manage that? Like, how do you juggle all of that to find some sense to get it all done? I mean, that's a struggle, too. I mean, we talk about mental health, but some of that mental health is how do you compartmentalize everything, get everything done and give everything the attention that it needs while also giving the attention to your family and while also giving attention to friends that, that, you know, that you need to cultivate and so that those relationships can thrive. I struggle with being isolated in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I want better relationships. I want to develop better relationships in that way, but I struggle finding the time to even, to even make the time to do it. Yeah, I really subscribe to work hard, play hard. I also, maybe this is a a little bit of a tangent, but I don't really like the term work-life balance. Sure. Because I don't ever, you know, it's like the buckets are equally full and they're all sort of balanced. Like it doesn't really make sense to me. I think some things are just important to me personally as I do regularly practice yoga and practice, you know, running and exercise. That's my mental health care. Mm -hmm. I do also have a therapist that I see every week. Sure. Um, so those are sort of key things in terms of taking care of my own personal well-being. I work really hard between 9.30 and 4 and try to stay super, super focused and then pick up my kids and have 
family time from like four to eight. And then I'm usually back at it and back at it might be like, that's my time to go to coffee with a girlfriend or have a glass of wine with some friends or to do some writing or to have a phone call or, you know, so I do have kind of a structure and rhythms in my life that help me feel like everything that's important has space. Yeah. That's yeah. And I, I just also try to kind of follow the things that are life-giving and bring me joy. You know, I don't see any clients I don't like. I don't <laughs> do any work projects I'm not interested in. You know, I just, yeah. I'm too old and tired to like do anything <laughs> out of obligation or sense of like, this will be good for me someday. Yeah. You know, if it's not joyful or interesting, like I pretty much don't do it. And that means hard clients. <laughs> it means hard things, but they just have to matter to me. That, see, that's funny because I apply that idea to the wrong things. Um, <laughs> so I, I have that exact same philosophy of I'm just, I'm too, like, you know, it comes down to, I'm not a adventurous food eater. Like lots of people love to explore foods and, and travel the country, you know, different countries and, and try their local fare. And I'm like, I'm a cheeseburger kind of, I have a very limited palate of what I enjoy. And people are like, you should try it. You might acquire a taste for it. And I'm like, I'm 41. I don't want to acquire a taste for it. If I have to work that hard for it, I don't want it. I'm old enough just to eat what I enjoy. <laughs> Um, I apply it to when my wife tells me to use my inside voice and I'm like, I am 41. I do not have to use any, I use any voice I want to use. <laughs> like, I, I apply it in all the wrong places, that idea of I'm just too old and tired to learn something new. <laughs> um, but I get where you're coming from and it is always a struggle. And I know that just, you know, you make times for the things that are important for you and you just have to kind of make that decision to say, this is what's important and some other things may have to fall at the wayside in order for me to take care of the most important things. But you did say something that I think is important and this is a question, so I'm gonna be selfish here. I'm gonna use this time to get some professional advice that I love to get. And I guess I have other people in my life I could ask this question to, but I feel like you are perfectly poised to answer this particular question. I mentioned that I have frequently thought about getting a therapist myself. Every great leader I have ever studied talks about having a, a therapist. Not, It's not like they went because they had problems. They went because it was a part of their mental health. They just, they wanted to develop that area of their lives. And so they started this process. I've always struggled with taking that step to do it. Not because I'm afraid to do it. I want to do it. I know it would be important. More the awkwardness of not knowing how to start the process, who to talk to, who to ask, and how to get that conversation going. Because it almost feels, I guess I have a, like many other people, I think I have a stigma in my head about how mental health works. And that is a probably a major problem. And that's why it's great that this is all being brought to light at many times. You generally think of mental health as, well, so-and-so has this problem. They have this dysfunction in their head. They think about this thing in a weird way. They're struggling with this emotion. So they go to see a therapist, which is not necessarily what therapy is all about. That is a part of therapy. It that doesn't is, have to be. That is a yeah. one way. That is one way of getting involved in therapy. But most of the people that I know who see therapists are not going because they have necessarily issues that they're struggling through. It's just a life maintenance thing. Can you talk a little bit about seeing a therapist from a maintenance thing as well, you know, beyond just the I'm going because I want to I have a problem I want to deal with? You're right. Psychotherapy can be lots of things. And one of the things it can be is treatment for illness. And so 
you know, I treat people who have depression or PTSD and they are often not working. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're ill, they're, they're right. not well and they're not mm-hmm. themselves. And so that's one sort of domain of therapy. But I think the other domain of therapy, and, and this is also sort of a, a big net, encompasses self-reflection, encompasses personal growth, it encompasses storytelling, and it helps you learn how to be the best version of yourself. I know that yeah. sounds very like guru on the mountaintop, but honestly, <laughs> like we all have blind spots. Like I have tons of blind spots about mm-hmm. the ways that I treat people, about the ways that I think about my work, the way that I think about myself. So if a good therapist kind of holds up a mirror and says like, this is, this is who you are. This is what you're good at. These are some areas where you consistently make bad choices. <laughs> These are some areas where you're unkind and like bratty to people, you know, like here's where you're a little narcissistic. Here's where you need more confidence. It's really about maturing and becoming that best version of who we were made to be. And again, I just really firmly believe that we can't quite do that by ourselves. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I just struggle with taking that first step. So me, I know that I want to take this step. What would you recommend as a first step of getting started to explore the idea of building a relationship with a therapist that that you can journey with? Because I feel like, I, I mean, I, certainly you may not hit it, strike gold the first time where you make a connection with someone or something like that. Totally. But I think, I feel like the end goal though is somebody who you do connect with who will go the long journey with you because they will have more experience with your life over time to better help you navigate this stuff. So what does the process look like to even explore finding someone to do that? Yeah. So if you know a psychologist or a therapist or like someone, you know, who's married to your friend's boss or something, like I would ask that person because I think local people really have a sense of who's well-trained and interesting and not crazy. Um, (laughs) So I would try to get a personal recommendation if you can. Mm -hmm. If you can't, I would really look at like what's right around your house, like or your office, what's going to be easy. Yeah. Where can you sort of schedule in a a one o'clock, a two o'clock appointment and you can kind of make it easy on your life. I would recommend trying to meet with maybe three people. Yeah. And I think it's important for entrepreneurs to say, hey, I'm self-employed, I'm an entrepreneur, that's a big part of my identity. Do you have experience working with other entrepreneurs? Because one of the things that sometimes goes wrong is that some professionals, you know, who may not have had a lot of experience with entrepreneurs or founders, like may sort of pathologize your workaholism. And (laughs) there's, there's some space for that. For many of us, we need like a little gut check about how much of our love and life we're giving to our work. But I also think that there are some unique challenges and ways of conceptualizing an integrated life that you want someone to be able to listen to and understand. So I would ask someone if they have experience working with founders. That's good. And I would also say, I don't think I have a mental illness. (laughs) I just, I want to be more self-reflective. I want to grow in maturity. You know, this is sort of what I want. Do you think you can help me with that? So it's sort of like any any professional that you're going to see, a mechanic or a physician, you want to say, here's my deal. Here's what I think I want. Is that, can you do that? Is that interesting <laughs> to you? And really, really the most important thing is that you find somebody who you trust, enjoy sitting with, and find to be competent. Yeah. So 
there's really not a great way to make that determination without spending the time to just have an initial meeting. And a lot of clinicians, if you ask them, will will give you a free consult or will do a, a half fee reduced first session or something like that because you both want to make sure it's the right fit. Right. Those are great ideas. I, you know, they're so common sense driven, but sometimes I think you fly too close and you just don't think about those common questions. Or you like, don't hey, know you that dealt you with can other do entrepreneurs? that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, am I allowed to tell this <laughs> right, Am I a person? diva <laughs> if I'm like, hey, <laughs> can you work yeah, with somebody fair. as special as me? But no, it's okay to say that. <laughs> I, I am a special little butterfly <laughs> and I want to make sure that you can handle that. And Rob um, and I actually did record a whole podcast about this. So it's, you know, it's like a 35 minute conversation just if people want yeah, more information than we can get into here. Definitely. And I'll link to that in the show notes as well, because I think that's that's an important topic. I think there's a lot of people who probably want to explore this idea and don't know what to do. So we have a mutual friend from you from way back when. So I, I say mutual friend. I'm friends with them now. You were friends with them back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and talking about therapy and friendship, right? Because you know, at some point you feel like you will probably, I don't know how you don't spend time with somebody on a regular basis and not develop a, an affinity and a friendship and a care for one another. So yeah. I assume that that is a natural progression that will come out of any therapist relationship. Yeah. Do you think it's a strange for, or do you think it's inappropriate? Like what is the boundary from saying, I have a friend who's a therapist. Uh, I'll use me and, and, and my friend as an example for saying, hey, we're friends, we're already close, you take clients. I want to. Why don't you take me on as a client? Let's talk through this stuff. Is that does that get weird? Does that cross a boundary? Does that create a dynamic that is it does. perhaps you should stay away yeah. from? <laughs> so one of the things that's interesting for me is is because of doing things like Zen Founder, I do regularly consult with founders about mental health kinds of issues, mostly as it relates to their work. It's it's not therapy because I'm not treating mental illness. Right. But it's it's definitely some deep conversations about how they're functioning and what's going on in their lives and their relationships. So I do that for folks all over the country. And then every once in a while, I like see them at a conference and like, you know, have a meal together. That works OK because there's still this sort of defined relationship. Mm-hmm. But really, the power of therapy, like true therapy, is that that person is objective they don't have a horse in the race. They don't, I don't know, they don't care if you sell your company or stay with your company or stay with your partner or leave your partner. Like they are purely listening to what you're bringing. The other thing is that I tell my therapist things that I'm feeling that I don't want to like see them at dinner. You know, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to go to my therapist after I've had a conflict with my husband and just like, unload about all the things I hate about my husband. I wouldn't do that. I don't do that with my friends. I don't do that with my family because we're all in relationship together. But my therapist has a relationship with me and she's on my side. mine and mine alone. And I can dump whatever like nastiness is in my heart and I don't have to see her at breakfast. You know, like I never see her in any other place. So that helps. The objectivity and the separateness are important in Mm -hmm. terms of just letting that be separate. There's also a lot of intimacy. Like it's a pretty deeply connected relationship. So there's a lot of sort of professional boundaries about contact outside of session that are really designed to keep everybody safe and to keep it from becoming an overly enmeshed dependent 
kind of relationship. No, that so. I mean that's great advice. I, I appreciate hearing that, right? Because I feel like I understand this relationship even better just from hearing kind of talking through some of these ideas of what to expect. I would say this. So for somebody, and I know you have a whole episode on this, so I don't want to go too deep into this, and I'm going to link to that episode for people to check out. What should people expect in that session? Because I think sometimes it's the fear. I mean, we have, obviously, we all have these stereotypes of what we think of. Like, all right, this person lays down on the couch, and this person's just going to take notes and look at you judgingly as they write down notes about everything <laughs> that you say, and um, they'll probably blame it on your father, and like, you know, your, you know or something. No, like your, mother, your mother. Your mother, that's mother right. definitely. Sorry, I'm sorry. I went the wrong way on that one. Uh, Freud. Um, anyway, like, I, you know, we don't know what to expect. Again, it comes back to this idea. If you've never had a, a therapy relationship, you don't know what you don't know. And so you walk into this thing with so much fear, anxiety, and apprehension of just this new possible relationship. And instead, it should be something that I hope would be releasing and freeing. What should somebody expect going into a relationship? And I know it's probably different depending on the person that you're dealing with, but yeah. what are some good guidelines? <laughs> Generally, you won't lay on the couch, not oh, that's especially not the like first that. time. <laughs> Maybe first eventually, time. but there's a whole conversation about that. Um, <laughs> there shouldn't be any judgmental note taking. <laughs> if the person is looking more at a computer screen than they're looking at you, just get up and leave because that's stupid. All right. Um, you should feel like someone's listening to you and curious about you. I would also say, I haven't done this before. This is really, I'm not sure what to expect. Can you kind of walk me through this? Yeah. And then you'll get a sense of, again, whether they're a good fit for you. There are certainly some therapists who use a lot of silence. And that can be really anxiety provoking. So I might say, like, anxiety makes me nervous. Can you ask me some questions <laughs> or kind of help me get started? <laughs> I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. <laughs> yeah. In my life, I'm used to having control and knowing what the next step is to everything. You're going to have to guide me a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And again, that helps you know if someone's a good fit. Yeah. You know, honestly, like, it helps you know if they can help you feel comfortable in a slightly awkward new situation. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you, you can tell there's certain people. I get this from you. I, I actually get this from Corey and different people that I've talked to. I get this from my friend who's a psychologist. And this idea of instantly when you talk to them, you just feel the, like the walls kind of come down. Like you just feel like, oh, okay, I don't, this is easy. Like this is an easy conversation. And so there are just some people who are good at just being naturally disarming. <laughs> Like, let's yeah. just disarm the situation and, and have a good conversation. So that's awesome advice. I really appreciate that. Um, like I said, it was a little selfish because I'm actually actually getting this information so I can make next steps in my own life. So cool. I do appreciate cool. that. It's funny because ever since I met you in Cabo, I've always actually wanted to just ask that question, right? I've actually asked the question of my friend as well, and he gave me very similar answers, which was mm -hmm. which was very good. Um, but it's nice confirmation, and maybe now after I have a third person, I'll finally make the plunge to, right. to make a phone call. <laughs> well, Dave and I went to graduate school together, so we probably yeah. think very similarly. Yeah, I, I definitely could see some similarities, and it's exciting. Like, I'm really excited for you. I know it's been a lot of life change. I know you've had a lot of stuff going on in your life in, in just in general. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know how anxiety and stress-driven it is, again, but you've handled it with extreme poise and been classy through this whole process uh, of your life change. And I'm excited to see what's next. 
I'm really excited to partake with you in, in Zen Tribes and explore that part. I'm excited for other people to sign up and, and yeah. get an idea of what it is to be in a community like that, in a group like that, because I don't think a lot of us even know what, it, what it's like. But also excited for your book. I will be buying it. It will be if you if you finish it. Oh. I will finish it. I will finish it. Don't take the, take that back. Right. Edit that out. When, sorry, sorry. I, I, I misspoke. When you finish it, I will buy the book. I will be looking forward to reading that. Especially if you can record it on Audible and you read it, that will be the best. Like okay. that, that's that's how Done. I consume most of my books. But I will I will definitely be getting that. Any last words you would say to the entrepreneur listening today, thinking about mental health, perhaps something that we haven't touched on that you think people listening need to kind of keep in mind as we close? Yeah, I think you know, generally, I just really celebrate what entrepreneurs are doing, that I love the spirit and the innovation and creativity and just all of the things that go into making someone an entrepreneur. So I think there's a lot to feel really like proud of, not even just in what you're accomplishing, but in what it takes for you as a person to do this kind of work. I think that anybody who is in a place where they're feeling really frustrated or burnt out or tired just to know that they're not alone and that like that's not the only choice. So finding places to reach out, finding places to be cared about, finding places to care about other people. It's a really fantastic life. And I wouldn't trade being married to an entrepreneur or now being an entrepreneur myself. I wouldn't trade that for anything. So that's why I really want us to all corporately figure out how to do it well. That's awesome. And, you know, I would say that I, I mirror that as well. Every time I talk to entrepreneurs, Maybe this is true of many of entrepreneurs, or maybe it's we're in an isolated circle of people who are just genuinely want the success of other people. But in the circles that I connect in, we genuinely want everyone to succeed in life and in business. Uh, nobody is is out to want anyone else to fail or fall short. And mm-hmm. so it's exciting to be a part of a community that genuinely cares for each other. And even if we are not closely connected, you know, we're able to do that. But anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'll put it in the links. You should definitely check out everything that Dr. Sherry is doing. You should be involved in it. You should be connecting to it. You should be looking for the book. You should be listening to Zen Founder. But we'll put a lot of stuff in the show notes. Sherry, thank you so much for being Thanks, on the show today. Thanks, James. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.